But today we begin Holy Week. Since we've been getting back to basics uh, with our sermon series throughout Lent, uh, we're reminded now that the events of Holy Week are really the foundation of what it means to be a Christian. Like every year, we begin Holy Week with Palm Sunday, celebrating and remembering Jesus' triumphant entrance into David's holy city of Jerusalem, with palms waving and people shouting, Hosanna, which is a Hebrew or Aramaic term of praise that quite literally means save us. And this goes to show that Palm Sunday is really a day of tension. It's a tension between parade and celebration, but also of betrayal and death. As church-going folks, we know the story. And we know that the hosannas sung on Palm Sunday will turn into crucify him on Good Friday. Nonetheless, the hosannas are significant still as we tell the great story again of Jesus' entrance into the holy city, where we know how the story goes. That Jesus will be betrayed, arrested, tortured, will die, but ultimately will rise again. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 11th chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning with the first verse. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage in Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, You will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it and will send it back immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Hosanna in the highest heaven! Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To be honest, I've never really been all that interested in the British royal family. But with the upcoming wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, as well as the uh, um, expected arrival of William and Kate's third child, the royal buzz has certainly been uh, abounding in, in uh, the world. I was reminded of an article I read a few years ago from the BBC that focused in on a group called the Household Calvary, and they had a particularly important role in the last royal wedding of William and Kate. For the wedding, this group, the Household Calvary, left its post in Afghanistan to perform its 350-year-old role of escorting newlywed royals around London. Each pair of boots of the dozens of members of this cavalry were polished for a period of up to 50 hours. That's not all of their boots. That's each pair of boots was polished for a period of up to 50 hours. I also learned that this polishing process was quite detailed. 
that beeswax and a blowtorch were both involved in the process, as was spit. It makes me rethink maybe how I polish my Oxfords on a Sunday morning. Why on earth would you spend so much time and money into the boots and apparel of the people who are just escorting the newlywed royals around? After all, there are hungry people in our world. There's injustice, there's oppression, you name it. But it seemed to me, I still don't understand it, but it seemed to me, trying to get in their heads a little bit, that they might place so much emphasis on their role because of the tradition and the significance of the monarchy to the identity of their nation. It made me think that when it has to do with identity, details matter. We take details very seriously when it has to do with our own wedding, with our professions, with the naming of a child, the funeral of a loved one. The details matter when it's crucial to our identity. In our gospel lesson today, we see the narrator, Mark, focus in on details for the first time in the gospel. The first ten chapters, by comparison, fly by at warp speed, by comparison. It goes something like this. Jesus heals this person over here, then immediately goes to that town and casts out a demon, then goes to the next town and heals another person. Let's illustrate this in numbers a bit. Mark's gospel only has 16 chapters. Jesus enters Jerusalem in the final week of his earthly ministry, beginning with chapter 11. This last week of Jesus' ministry accounts for six of Mark's 16 chapters, more than a third of the gospel. But here, beginning at Palm Sunday, the story that's been going at warp speed slows down to a halt, and suddenly the little details start to matter. Because what happens in this last week is crucial to the identity of all who call themselves followers of Jesus. The slow motion story begins with Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, what we now know today as Palm Sunday. There are so many details in this passage that we can easily brush them over in a nonchalant reading of the text. But each of these details unveils a special piece of the significance of Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem. Note that only three of our 11-verse passage talks about Jesus' entrance. The rest of them focus on the preparations, on the details for this entry. Mark tells us that Jesus and his followers are approaching Jerusalem from the east, on the Mount of Olives. People in those days were expecting Messiah, someone sent by God to take Jerusalem back by force. The Mount of Olives is exactly where people expected this liberation to take place, for the revolution to begin. The prophet Zechariah, who we heard from in our first lesson, claimed that the Lord would one day stand on the Mount of Olives and it would split in two. From this significant place, Jesus sends two disciples out to a nearby village to find a colt, that is a young donkey who had never been ridden. Symbolically, the fact that this colt has yet to be ridden means that it was fit for ceremonial use or for religious use. And so his disciples place their cloaks on the colt, and Jesus hops on it, riding it into the city. As he approaches, people lay their coats down, others wave leafy branches, assumedly palms, and lay those down as well. They shout out, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Every detail here is meticulously laid out 
showing the significance of this event to those who would call themselves Christ followers. But here's a detail we often overlook on Palm Sunday. This triumphant entrance that we celebrate every year that has inspired countless composers to write these joyful, upbeat pieces of music for this entrance had all the elements of a traditional, traditional Roman military procession. Jesus carefully orchestrates a procession into Jerusalem that one would expect a general or an emperor to receive after victory in battle. Cloaks would be spread on the ground, as would branches. People would shout out praises of victory. But in the details, Jesus further distinguishes this celebration. A military leader receiving such an entrance would come into the city on his horse. Strong, powerful, majestic. Jesus, well, friends, let's just say Jesus picked the economy size vehicle in the rental lot. Jesus isn't even on a fully grown donkey. He's on a young colt, a baby donkey. Can you imagine a grown man riding a baby donkey? You can't help but laugh a little bit. And don't feel guilty. It's kind of the point here, but I'll get there. So Jesus is on a colt riding into Jerusalem, and people are laying down coats and shouting Hosanna. But one distinct difference. In a military procession, you would expect people to be waving swords. But here they're waving palm branches. Our Lord's entrance into Jerusalem was detailed. It was meticulously laid out, but be certain. His entrance was also subversive. This entrance mocks the Roman notions of power and authority, flipping them upside down. Scholar Charles Campbell calls Jesus' entrance an act of political satire because of the way it mocks the Romans' understanding of power. In other words, Jesus' entrance is more fitting as a sketch on Saturday Night Live rather than an exhibition of his own power and might. The people of Israel were expecting Messiah who would come and take Jerusalem back by force from the Romans. Jesus is this Messiah, don't uh, be clear, but, and he has come to deliver the people of God, but he's not exactly the Messiah they've been looking for. He rides into Jerusalem on a colt, showing that true power comes from obedience to God, not from a sword and not from fear and intimidation. True authority is more about sacrifice than force. It comes from humility, not through oppression. The first church I served after seminary was a large congregation in Indianapolis where I served as a resident pastor for a two-year term. This church did everything big and bold, and Palm Sunday was no exception. Every year, children did, as as we did here, would come in waving palms, processing. A brass ensemble would join the organ and choir, playing all glory, laud, and honor. And most importantly, there was a donkey. A donkey led this processional every year. And another part of this tradition was that it was the job of one of the resident pastors to lead this donkey. (laughs) Well, friends, my stubborn Scottish roots deeply resented this tradition. I thought the church just wanted to show off the new resident pastors like we were cute decorations. I thought that taking on such a task would minimize my own pastoral authority. 
And as many of you know, at times I can be a bit of a germaphobe, so I nonchalantly passed up on the honor of leading this donkey. My colleague, my co-resident, was much more gracious and and humble than I, and and she willingly stepped forward to continue this long-standing tradition. I later learned something about this donkey. He was named after a former pastor named Bill Enright, who is highly revered not just by the congregation, but is still considered one of the most respected pastors in our denomination. During his tenure, this man doubled the size of the church. He had a very serious yet pastoral sensibility and was beloved there as a pastor. So to get back to the donkey. The donkey earned his name, Enright, when a few years back, while being led Uh, toward the sanctuary to join in the great traditional procession by one of the resident pastors, was being led through a hallway where the hallway was lined with the portraits of the former pastors. When the donkey got to this gentleman's portrait, he stopped. And, well, let's just say he did his business before moving on. The name Enright stuck. I also found that this much-beloved and respected and serious pastor loves this story and considers the name a term of endearment. I don't know why, but my guess is that it's because this beloved pastor really gets the story of Palm Sunday. He gets both the detailed meticulousness of it, but also the subversive nature of Jesus' arrival. Power and authority come not out of fear or respect, but out of humility, sacrifice, and obedience to God. This pastor, whose legacy will live on for generations, his name will also be associated with this equally beloved, but also lowly, dirty, and smelly donkey. I doubt I'll ever have the chance, but if I could do it over again, I would like to think I would graciously step forward to lead this beast of burden. Because, friends, this is what Palm Sunday is all about. Jesus' careful and subversive entrance into the holy city of Jerusalem turns our understanding of power and authority upside down. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live lives of obedience and humility, following our Lord to the foot of the cross and to the empty tomb. As we journey through Holy Week together, Let us reflect on the ways that we can live more humbly and obediently to God, subverting the way of our world's understanding of power and authority. And through our lives of humility and obedience, may we witness to the coming of our Lord's kingdom, where pain and death and oppression will reign no more, and all will be one in Christ Jesus, the one who processed into Jerusalem on a lowly baby donkey. Friends, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Amen.